Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. But if you'll look with me to 1 Timothy 3.15, this is our reading today. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you, everybody say you, ought to conduct yourself, say yourself, in the house. How you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. We're starting a three-part series today called House, the House. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, your goodness, your word. Anoint me to preach. Anoint us to hear. Speak to our hearts. Challenge us today, and we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, in this series, I'm going to talk about the church. Specifically, this church, this local expression of the body of Christ that we call Life Point. I'll speak today, I'll speak on the 15th and on the 29th. The, the 22nd, we have Harold Hoffman from Sterling Heights, Michigan, who's going to be with us in both services, and he will knock it out of the park. And on that 29th, though, I'm going to wrap up the series and, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to lead you in some fresh commitments on the 29th. We're going to be looking at the benefits of prioritizing the church in your practical life. And I'll give you some inspirational stories and and update you on our debt-free initiative, which uh, many of you are a part of. Some of you don't know what that is. You may see it on envelopes. We kicked it off 13 months ago to eliminate debt here at LifePoint, and it's been wonderful. And um, we'll, we'll revisit that. Some of you will review and renew your commitment. Some will revise your your commitments. And some will make commitments for the first time when it comes to DFI, uh, the debt-free initiative. But I want you to just right now, just look up to the screen. I want to show you something. Watch this. Come on now. Is that awesome? I love that. I, I love that. It's, it's, I'm telling you right now, when you make up your mind to live with an open hand in a closed-fisted world, God will bless you in ways that you couldn't possibly imagine. He's able to do ex- exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask. And I believe I'm looking at a bunch of open-handed people in a closed-fisted world. This is a very generous house. And, and God is doing something very special here at LifePoint. You can feel it. You can sense it. I, I just know it in my spirit. This house is word-based. This house is Christ-exalting. This house is spirit-filled. This house is faith-talking, faith-walking. This is a house of prayer. This is an apostolic house, a devil-chasing house, a Jesus-name house, a a multicultural house, a multi-generational house. And and everything we do is about getting more and more people into this house serving Jesus, worshiping Jesus with us. All people everywhere, not discriminating, reaching out to everybody. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm excited. It reminds me of Emma Lazarus' poem on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired and your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless, 
tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. This is a soul winning house. This is a house that loves people, down and outs, up and outs, broken, marginalized people, the unchurched, the de-churched, black, white, brown, documented, undocumented, poor, rich. Come on, we're not perfect, but our Jesus is perfect, and everybody ought to know about Jesus. Come on, give God some praise right now. This is a soul-winning house. Hallelujah. We need to pray some big dreams and big prayers. You know, dare to dream big. Pray some big prayers. Give us the nations, Lord. You said your house would be a house of prayer for all nations. Give us the nations, Lord. Here in our area, give us the, na- the nations, the ethnicities, the diversity. Bring it into this house, Lord. And we're a generous house. We believe in missions. Missionaries love coming to Life Point. In our 14-year history, we've given over $100,000 to missions and missionary and and ministry endeavors outside of this house. Now, I wish we'd have given a million, but folks, 14 years ago, we started with zero, you know, nobody. And in that 14-year period of time, God has blessed us, and and we've been blessed to have a generous house, and that's, that's what an awesome thing. Now, in our reading... Paul said to Timothy, if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Timothy had a place in the house, something to do in the house. The house was the church. The church is the place where truth is revealed and the ground from which truth is proclaimed. And I'm here to tell you that like Timothy, you have a place in the house, a purpose, a role to play. In John 14, 1 and 2, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The Father's house in John 14 is the same house of God in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's the church. And in the house there are many mansions. Now mansions is an unfortunate unfortunate rendering of that word. It's not really a mansion. It's a dwelling place. Now don't get afraid. I'm not going to take your mansion away from you in heaven. I believe you've got you a big old mansion there. Big old mansion. Pillars and whatnot. You know, Italian marble, no coronavirus, just you've got this awesome mansion up there. But it's really not speaking of a house. Listen, heaven's where Jesus is, right? I don't care about the gold. I don't care about the pearls. I don't care about a big fancy house. I just want to be with Jesus. Where Jesus is, that's heaven to me. But in this passage, he's saying there are dwelling places, rooms, if you will, In the Father's house, in the church, there's a place for you. There's room for you. In in other words, specifically, you've been strategically positioned in the house on purpose. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 3, Colossians, and on and on. Speak of the church as the body of Christ. You've got a place in the body. You may be a hand. You have a purpose. You have a function. You may be a foot. You may have a mouth. You may be able to talk. The the paint off a wall and God can use that 
in the house. You have a purpose. You have a reason in the house for existing. Some of you are like, what am I doing in this church of all churches? How did I get here? Look around you right now. Look at those people. What? Tim, where did you come from, son? And here you are, right in the middle of life point. And, and, and we're so glad. L- look at your neighbor, like Tammy. How in the world? How did this happen? This, this was not the Sherry. Yeah, she's pointing at Tammy right here. Like, how did you get in this house? I believe God put you in this house. Like pieces on a chessboard. He said, I need you here, and I, I need you here. I'm going to transfer you here, and i got a place for you. I, I've got a place for you to be. I've got a house like, like, like Timothy in which you can conduct yourself. I've got a place for you where you're not just a spectator, but you're a participator. I've got something for you to do. You need to, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. You need to quit letting everybody else volunteer for things that God's called you to do. Oh, I'm going to be your pastor today. Can I do that? It's time for somebody to start conducting themselves in the house, rolling up their sleeves, as it were, putting on their mud boots, getting their hands dirty, getting on a team, getting on mission, and helping in this glorious mission of getting Jesus to people. You've been brought to the house for such a time as this. Greg... Phillips came here because Milton had his mud boots on. He was on mission. Milton acted on a holy hunch in C.C.'s coffee, in the coffee house. A Holy Ghost hunch. Go talk to that guy. He approached Greg. Greg's like Teflon Greg. He's like, hey, man. Starts talking to him. Greg's like, I don't do church. You know, like, had that attitude, just a little attitude. And, and uh, rebuffing him, you know, rebuffing him a little bit. But, but Milton didn't let that stop him. Milton rolled up his sleeves. Greg was hungry. And, and, and he saw through that. Greg's, uh, Milton saw through that. And, and he, he pushed and he persisted. Greg was hungry. God was moving on him. He, he was about ready to do another tour of duty, as he would say. God touched him. I loved it. Greg, Greg came in this house, and God started moving on, on this old boy back here and started touching him. And, and I'll never forget when he walked up here crying and, and asked, can, can you baptize me? We rebaptized him in Jesus' name right over here uh, on a Sunday morning. It, 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 he wasn't supposed to do it till the afternoon, but he couldn't wait. The Holy Ghost was moving on him, and, and God started moving on him. And Greg rolled up his sleeves and put on his mud boots, and he said, I want to volunteer. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And this is humbling, y'all. Listen, you, you, some of you don't understand. Greg is a seminary trained, master's degree, seminary trained. He was, he was a missionary in, in a large denomination. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Being a Christian is one thing. Being a preacher is another thing. Being a missionary on foreign soil, uprooting your family, moving, flying, going somewhere, putting down roots in another That's another level of commitment. That's a, a commendable and respectable thing to do. 
And with that kind of background, he comes in and he becomes a professional parker on this parking lot. Humbles himself. Let me serve. Where can I? I want to get in where I fit in, man. Like, I just want, I'm so grateful for the house. What can I do in the house? And everything Greg did, he did with excellence. He greeted, did all kinds of parking. Still, he's probably parked y'all out there. And God started giving him some fresh vision and direction for his life as a result. Now, he just released his published book this last week now. Yeah. Battling for everything and planning to win a fight for a better life. It's, it's an awesome book. I, I read a lot of it before it, it was published. We walked through some of this together. Published book, just awesome. I got mine on Amazon. It's not autographed. But he's got some out there. You can buy them on your way out, and he'll autograph them for you. Come on now. And guess where he's going to be Tuesday morning? He's having breakfast with the governor. There's a few of us doing that too. But I'm just saying, he, he is... God has begun to open doors for him. Where did that start? In the house. I'm telling you, there's more people like that that need to get connected to the house because there's life in this house. There's direction in this house. There's life change in this house. Come on, give the Lord some praise right now. Aren't you grateful for the house? My steps stumbled. I was confused until I came to the house. And God began to speak to me and give me some direction in the house. Let me show you something. Numbers 2, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard. That's, that's a, a flag beside the emblem of his father's house. They shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. In other words, there's a place where I want them to camp. There's a way I want them to camp. In, in Exodus 12, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, there, there was not much in the way of organization. This was a mob leaving Egypt. There was no flow chart, no structure, unorganized religion. And then in Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law Jethro Tull, I mean Jethro, my bad, Jethro, Jethro said, Moses, you've got to get some organization, this is a mess, you're going to wear yourself out, son, and so Moses set up organizational structure, he recruited, he equipped leaders over teams of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And then a year or so later, by the, by the time they got the tabernacle planned together and they built it, they were seasoned in systems and processes, structure. They were organized, families and teams, sets and subsets. And they were told to, to put this, this tabernacle in the middle and set your tents up around it in a very structured way. There was Judah. This was a premier tribe. Their flag was blue and had a lion on it. Issachar and Zebulun were to camp with Judah. There was Dan. He, he had a flag that was sapphire blue, had an eagle with a snake in his mouth on it. Asher and Naphtali were to camp with Dan. There was Ephraim. Their flag was, was green with a bull on it. Manasseh and Benjamin camped with Ephraim. And there was Reuben. They had a red flag with mandrake flowers on it. And Simeon and Gad were to camp 
with Reuben. And they were to be organized uh, around the, the tabernacle in, in a very specific way. Let me talk about the tabernacle for a moment. It was 150 by 75 foot. That's about the size of this, this parking lot, roughly. So you got to think about that. It, it was curtained off, but the outer curtained off part was not covered. But inside the curtained off area, there was this 15 by 45 foot area that was curtained off and covered. The, the outer area was uncovered, the outer court, as it were. Uh, the, 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 the tent in, in the middle was the, the holy place. Later, the whole thing became known as the tent of meeting, reminiscent of, of Moses' tent of meeting where he would meet with the Lord before the tabernacle. The covered area on the inside, are you with me? The covered area on the inside was 15 by 30. The Holy of Holies uh, was 15 by 15. So, so the, the Holy of Holies was 15 by 30. The whole, I mean 15 by 15, the holy place was 15 by 30. Uh, are you with me? I think, I think that's right. Yeah, 15 by 45, 15 by 30, 15 by 15. In the outer court was the brazen altar, the laver of water. The holy place was the, uh, in the holy place you had the table of, if you've ever gone through Bible study with me, we've talked about this. Table of showbread, altar of incense, menorah, holy of holies had the ark of the covenant. And, and the tents were, were placed strategically around. Now, I, I've, got, I've got a way they were placed. Look, here, here's how they were placed. So they were to be all together. Look, we're fancy today. Class, stay with me. So, so the predominant tribe, Judah, is on this side. That's east. That's the east. On the west, the, you, you've got uh, uh, Manasseh and Benjamin, Ephraim. Uh, on, on the north... You've got Dan and, and Asher, Naphtali on the south, Gad, Simeon, Reuben. And then you've got the tabernacle on the inside. There's the uncovered part. There's the holy place. There's the holy of holies. And so they, they were at a camp, and the priests are on the inside right here, Moses. So you had, this, is the, this was very meticulous. This was detail. Not, not anything is unimportant in the details. Our God is a very precise God. To the, to the jotting of the, of the T, the, the crossing of the T, the dotting of the I. Very precise. Every detail mattered. I want you in these places. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Put those tents, line those tents up in the north, south, east, and west. Not the, these are cardinal directions. Not, not uh, northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest. Strictly do East, west, north, south. So you see no camp over here, 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 or here. They just went as far as they had to go to get all these, all these people on the east and all these people on the west. It was, it was very precise. God wanted it that way. And he said, and here's what I want you to do. I want your tents facing the tabernacle. You've got to face the tabernacle. You could, I don't want you in the right place facing the wrong direction. I want you in the right place, but facing. In other words, prioritizing what goes on in the middle of this camp. L listen, you can you sit your behind on a chair at church, but if you're not facing the direction that the Lord is wanting you to go, 
then, then you're, you're not doing it right. Can, can I be plain? Is that all right? You've got to be facing the, the right direction. And so he said, I want you to face what's going on in the middle. But let me show you the, the precision of God. Because Judah was the largest, the largest camp, they went further out. In Numbers 22, later on, Balaam is trying to curse what God had blessed. He was this bad prophet. He comes along, and for money, he's trying to curse the children of Israel. And so he gets on a mountain, and he's looking down at their encampment, trying to pronounce curses on them. And the arrangement, because of the the strictness of north, south, east, west, and the the largeness of the camp of Judah, let me show you what, what Balaam saw when he looked down on the mountain. He saw a cross. There's Judah. He saw a cross. The plan of God was so invested in the type and shadow of that tabernacle. With all that stuff, with that brazen altar, you've got the death of Jesus. That laver of water and that burial representation, that holy of holies with that ark of the covenant and the Shekinah glory. You've got the resurrection. You've got so much in the, the types and shadows. You've got repentance and water baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost in that temple, that tabernacle. You've got so much encapsulated in that. And the Lord was saying, I want you to center on that cross, that finished work of the cross. I've ingrained everything in there. If you'll build your life around what goes on in that tabernacle, in that house, I will bless you coming in. I will bless you going out. No enemy will be able to stand against you. I will direct you. I will lead you. I will give you the promises I promised you. Come on, give him praise right now. I'll give you promises. I'll make it all come to pass. But you've got to prioritize your life and center it around the house. The pillar and ground of truth. Hear, O Israel, the Shema. That's what they call it in Hebrew. it's, It's from the word hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's the last statement any God-fearing Jew wants to say before they die. The Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Talking about the right direction. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. And you'll teach them diligently, not flippantly, diligently to your babies. You'll talk about it when you're in your house, when you're walking through the way. When you lie down, when you rise up, you'll put it on your hands, on your forehead. You'll write it on the doorpost of your house, on your gates. Can I be frank with you? Can I be honest with you as your pastor? If you care more about making a few extra dollars with some voluntary overtime on the job, you care more about that than you do about the house and and, and centering your life around the house, then you've missed the point. You care more about those frequent getaways, just getting away and, and, and you neglect the house, then you're missing 
the point. And I'm all about a getaway. I get it. You understand. I'm all about making a few bucks. But you've got to prioritize the house. And if your kids think that you care more about gymnastics or dance or travel ball than you do about the house, then you've missed the point. And they're not going to be here later on as you're trying to tell them, no, it really is important. you got to teach your children. I saw a tweet from Paul Purvis. He said this, my son is a gifted athlete. He's an asset for his team. He has a Sunday game at 10 o'clock today. You know where he'll be? He said he'll be in church, and he's okay with that. He said, I know he will never prioritize something I allow to be marginalized. you got to prioritize. This world wants to marginalize the house, but God says you better prioritize the house. You want to walk in the supernatural? You want to see what I can do? Anywhere where the finished work of Christ is proclaimed, anywhere there is repentance and water baptism and body baptism, spirit baptism, wherever that's proclaimed, that's the house. Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name. In my name is covenant language. It represents the finished work, everything he's accomplished by his grace. Where that's proclaimed, that's the house. There I am in the midst of them. If you'll make the needs of the house a priority, he'll make the needs of your house a priority. Jesus put it like this. Seek ye. Second, third, fourth, fifth, somewhere down the line. No. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, material things, it's a priority. It's putting your money where your mouth is. It's putting your time where your, where your mouth is. It's, it's putting your, your talent where your mouth is. I put you first, Lord. Show me by what you do. Show me by your generosity with your time and your talent and your treasure. Put me first. If you want to put the house first, you can start with an altar of repentance, turning to Jesus. If you want to put the house first, the Lord of the house, I could put it that way, then you continue on and and you go through that labor of water, that water baptism, knowing him and the fellowship of his sufferings in that precious name. And you can continue by prioritizing that house, by receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, letting God move on you with that resurrection power, knowing him in the power of his resurrection that's that's putting the house first that's getting in your place in the house but but really then it doesn't stop there does it no because there's a life to live there's a discipled life a a surrendering life to live a taking up the cross denying self a renewing of the mind a presenting of the body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's finding a place. It's getting involved with people. It's getting on mission, getting Jesus to more and more people. It's about putting the priority of the house first. Stand with me right now. Hallelujah. Church is, uh, you know, there's so many critics of, of church and how church is done. And, and uh, you know, uh, you hear so much 
if you if you go anywhere, uh, especially with social media, the, the critics will come out barking about you know church uh, of the 21st century is so different than you know church of the first century, and you know what what we do today doesn't resemble what they did back then. And I'm gonna tell you something. I understand. Like, uh, let me just tell you right now, they didn't have air conditioning. They did not have electric lights. They didn't have electric guitars as much as I preach about them having them. They really didn't have electric guitars. Everything was acoustic. They did have guitars. Don't doubt me. But, yeah, there were some things a lot different. You know, for the first 300 years, they didn't really own real estate per se, but they did have places they met. They rented schools. They rented gymnasiums. They rented large facilities. They used Solomon's ports. They used buildings. Later, they would buy them. The institutionalized church came along and, and with Constantine and all the junk that came along with that. And then through the years, tradition took over and, and, and the councils ruled. And there was so much dumb stuff that was introduced. And yeah, yeah, there was a lot that was lost. But I believe in a restoration that has taken place. I believe there's a, a, I'm looking at a remnant of folks right here that you're not part of an institutional church. You're part of an organic church. I mean, a spiritual body. But you've been baptized into one body by one spirit. The mystical body of Christ. The true, you know, I, I mean, like the real thing. The real thing. And when you put the house first, and we're on a mission, and we're better together than we are individually and apart, we work as a team. We hustle this as a team. Jesus is the head of the church, and we all have a role to play. And we roll up our sleeves. I'm telling you, there's a blessing. God's wanting to unleash something. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. God's wanting to unleash something I want to say on a church-wide basis, but it really is going to filter down into you, your family. He wants to bring some blessings in your life that are generational, that will change the direction of your family from here on out. If you'll take advantage of the moment and open your tent flap towards the church and the house where the cross is displayed and proclaimed, God will... Pour out blessing. I'll give you those promises. I'm going to give you that promised land. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You're on mission with me. I'm going to go with you. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. That kind of stuff. I believe that's who we are and that's what we're called to do. In Jesus' name. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads with me right now. Father, I thank you so much, God, for the house. Thank you for your direction. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. It's what the Word says, and He adds no sorrow with it. The house is the place of the blessing. It's the house of the, it's the place of the glory. And this is your house. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. A miracle can happen in this house today. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.